So welcome back again to the second part of our podcast here from Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Gilly. And we are going to continue on today um, listening to some reflections that were offered at the Nock Novena this year in the Nock for the Novena to Our Lady of Nock held back in August. One of the speakers there was Father Terence Harrington. Father Terence is a native of Castletown Bear in County Cork. He's a Capuchin Franciscan. He's worked in administration, formation and evangelization. Over the years, he's preached parish missions and retreats to every part of the country. In recent times, he worked as a curate in Knock Parish in 2018. And today we can listen to Father Terence as he offered us a reflection on how can I have hope in my brokenness? And to finish this part of our podcast, we can listen to a piece of music, which probably is ideal to listen to after uh, that reflection by Father Terence. And this one is entitled, God Alone is Enough, with John Michael Talbot. Uh, we, the, the Capuchins, when giving parish missions around the country, in the old days we had a tradition where before the sermon, uh, we used to give what we call a fervorino, uh, a sort of a mini-sermon or homily, a thought for the day, something quite short. So I thought it being the occasion of the novena that I would do that. So the thought and theme, it, this is just about two minutes or so, is on kindness. And of course, kindness is very much interlinked with hope. Kindness is a language that the deaf can hear and the blind can see. And if you've ever to choose between being kind and being right, choose being kind and you'll always be right. Be kind to unkind people, they need it most. Everyone you meet today you can take, it will be fighting a battle no one knows about, so be kind. One single kind word can change a person's entire life and one act of kindness each day of the year may change the lives of 365 people. To give hope to others, sometimes it's enough to be simply kind. And for anyone serious about living the Christian life radically, I would say three steps are required. Step one, be kind to the person you are with. Step two, equally important, be kind. And step three, be kind. And now we will change track a little and address the question, how can I find hope in my brokenness? If I were to go around the Basilica with the microphone uh, this afternoon and ask each one of you, what suffering and pain is going on in your life and in your family, I would think that we'd probably be shocked at the amount of suffering that there is in this congregation gathered here this afternoon in Nock, and those of us joining us, those of you joining us online. 
because suffering comes to everyone. It comes to the old and to the young, to the strong and to the weak, and it comes to the rich and to the poor. It's no respecter of persons. Nobody escapes. You know, it's fascinating how fragile, weak, and broken we all are. All of us are broken in some way. And some people particularly very heavy crosses to carry, such as, for example, poor health, depression, one of the heaviest crosses of all, panic attacks, family tragedies, suicide in the family, addiction, broken relationships, broken homes, broken hearts, parents and grandparents worrying about their children, giving up the practice of the faith. And then there is that tiniest particle we call the coronavirus that has brought the entire world to its knees. And added to that, there is the war, which is, as we all know, sheer, unadulterated evil. The list is endless. So how can I have hope in my brokenness? How can I have hope in the darkness and in the, in the depression and in the gloom all around me? And the answer, I would say for us believers, it's faith. But importantly, faith in, a, in God's personal love for each one of us. For us people of faith, God is the ultimate answer. And I would say in this context, the kind of image we have of God is crucial. So who is the God that you believe in? What kind of image do you have of God? Now for us, the older generation, we were brought up with an image of God that was frightening a God who was ready to pounce or to condemn us for any kind of misdemeanor. God was to be dreaded and feared. But to have a proper image of God, the place to go is to the Bible, where God is revealed as love. Just three words, God is love. It's his actual nature. It's his nature. Now, we know that in our heads, we've often heard it, but we need to feel it in our hearts. And the challenge is to swallow that truth that God loves you as you are and to let it sink into your bloodstream, into the very marrow of your bones. No words of mine or no words of yours, no philosophy or theology could describe adequately the depth and the sincerity and the strength or the richness or genuineness of God's love for us. There's not a word in the English language, or in fact, in, there's a, not a word in any language that could adequately describe God's love for you. God loves each one of us as we are, warts and all, with no strings attached. So personal and intense is his love for us that he couldn't imagine heaven without each one of us being there with him. I'll now ask you briefly to engage in, in a little act of the imagination. 
And if you, in your imagination, if you just picture this scene, that you are, you, you are dead and you're in heaven. And think now, you're dead, you're in heaven. Think now of the person in this world that you love most of all. Might be a father, mother, husband, wife. Who is the person or persons you love most of all? And just imagine the scene that that person is still alive. And then the Lord comes to you in heaven and says, your friend that you love most of all has died and your friend is at the pearly gates and now I'm going to leave judgment to you. So you are the one that will decide whether this person you love will spend the rest of their lives in heaven. What do you do? I know what I would do and I think I know what you would do. Now, that love that you have for that person is only a tiny inkling of what God's love is. So as we look to the future, we have every reason to be full of confidence and to be full of hope, us believers. His enormous love for us is beyond our wildest dreams. It's beyond our, it's beyond our imagining it's, 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 it's mind-boggling, and that's the good news. If you really realize how much God loves you, you'd break down in tears, tears of joy. God always loves you. God always forgives. And God is always with you. God always loves you. God always forgives. And God is always with you. And with God on our side, who can be against us? And God is on our side. And that's the good news. And in, in a nutshell, that's what gives us hope in our pain, in our suffering, and in our brokenness. I am convinced that we are destined for greater things. I am convinced that we are destined for heaven. That gives me hope. And again, I'll go back to that thought. In all of this, and in our faith in the God who loves us, the, the kind of image we have, got, we have of God is crucial. Alan was the name of an orphan boy. And in the orphanage in which he lived, at the back of the orphanage, there was a huge garden, at the end of which was a lake. And Alan was thinking to himself in the, uh, in the, during the summer mornings, what the sunrise would be like over the lake. So one particular, he woke up one particular Sunday morning, uh, summer morning, about 20 of them sleeping in the dormitory, but if you left the dormitory before six o'clock, you'd be in serious trouble. But anyhow, he decided he'd, he'd risk it and take a chance. So he got out of bed and slowly tipped his way down a big long corridor, out the 
out the back door of the orphanage and down to the lake. And there he waited for the dawn. And sure enough, the dawn arrived. It was a beautiful morning. The, the birds were singing. And as the sun rose, he was glistening over the water, all kinds of gold, silver and gold. He was totally wrapped up in this scene when it, when it just struck him that he was going to be laid back and he was going to be in trouble. So before heading back to the orphanage, he turned to the lake and he addressed the lake and he said, I'm late, I'm going to be in trouble and I'm going to be punished, but I don't care because I know something now. I know that the God of the lake is greater than the God of the orphanage. The God of the lake is greater than the God of the orphanage. Who is the God you believe in? The God of the lake or the God of the orphanage? Oh 